0: Condon, Ken Miller, Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning. Welcome in
1: once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Wednesday as we talk the world of sports. Taking it up until one o'clock today, Trent Condon joined by the next of our four guest hosts this week. It is the incomparable Iowa nice guy,
2: Scott Sipker. Why, thank you. I've never been called incomparable before. Uh, there is nobody that compares. That, well, well, unless you move to Los Angeles and are an actor, you know how many white dudes with glasses, receding hairlines, and beards there are? There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe here in the uh, local Des Moines area, maybe I'm incomparable.
1: There's no doubt about it. Well, excited to have you in here. Of course, the Kinnick
2: documentary continues, now available a couple of different places. Yeah, on Amazon and Apple TV. That's great. So you can uh, yeah get it. It's, it's so much easier. We had it on Vimeo, but now it's so much easier to get it onto your TV because you probably have used Amazon or Apple before. It's uh, 9 dollars to purchase forever. Or four ninety nine to rent. Oh, that's great. And if you're looking for a good gift mm-hmm. for a Hawkeye fan in your life, yeah. we also have Blu ray DVD combos available on Amazon. So there you go. All Merry right. Christmas. Christmas shopping is gonna
1: be done early for me this <laughs> yeah, year. That's right. Gonna have that hooked up and well, as you can imagine, a lot of Hawkeye fans, certainly in my family. Now I have yet to see the doc. Oh. I thought you were my friend.
2: Well, I mean,
1: I thought we were friends too, and I oh. wasn't invited to the premiere.
2: No, I invited you. No. Yes. No. If I didn't, this is a really awkward way to start the show. <laughs> I'm looking in my text messages now. I had no Trent. I totally invited you. You're Which, positive about this. I am. Yes, I am. Because I I'm, have yeah. a list. Okay. Okay. I'll look it up in the break. Yes. I have a long list. Uh, I think you told me you couldn't be I there because you have kids. Going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we okay. had
1: something going on that night, but I just had to throw you a little scoop. Well, sheet good, because I,
2: I started to turn red over here. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, it's, uh, I look forward to you seeing it. I can maybe send you a link since you've been so nice to me, uh, and, uh, and you can watch the film and tell all you wonderful fans of this show how good it is.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it. I want to talk a little bit more about the doc for people, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But a fun show today. So we got Mitch Holtis. He joins us each and every Wednesday. He'll be here at the bottom of the hour, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and of course, you are the most famous Buffalo Bill fan in Des Moines. <laughs> well, I...
2: I um... I am known for a few things. You get get quite the resume. I do. uh, Yes, being a Buffalo Bills fan in Iowa has certainly always been heartbreak. Uh, My entire life, I'm serious, my entire life. And I thought last year was the one time it wasn't going to be heartbreaking. And yet, somehow, the heartbreak... Reached to the second place of all time after the Scott Norwood miss, like last year losing to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game in the way that we did, which was just a bonehead play. Bonehead plays at the end of the game. Uh, gosh, what I'm still not over that, but I do want to talk to Mitch because I think now, for the next hopefully ten years, uh, if health is blessed to both teams, the main rivals in the AFC are going to be bill 's chiefs. don't forget about Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow. I he, he's he's you know, a dude. He he is, he is. I I probably still I don't think he's on the same level as Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But then again he just beat Patrick Mahomes three times in a row. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to start readjusting this. He is he's got that Tom Brady clutch gene in him. Whatever that whatever that it factor is, he has it. And he's a handsome fella, too.
1: <laughs> all good things. Well, we will uh, talk about that with Mitch Holtis. We'll talk to him about the Kansas City Chiefs. What problems they have. Why has Cincinnati been such a bugaboo for them? It's just one of those, Now, you know, there's certain teams that match up whatever it is. And Kansas City's inability to get to the quarterback with an offensive line for Cincinnati obviously was not good at all last year. Is better this season, but it's certainly not at any kind of elite level. And they just can't get to him. And Burrow's able to make plays continually. So we'll talk about that with yeah. Mitch Holtis coming up here at the bottom of the hour. And we'll talk about the potential 10-year war with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and uh, your connection to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, then in the 12 o'clock hour, it'll be David Kaplan in his normal spot on Wednesday. Lots going on. The Cubs making some moves. They got Tyon coming in, helping out with that pitching staff. But the bigger news, Cody Bellinger will be making his way to the north side of But Chicago. on a one-year
2: deal. That is a bit perplexing to me.
1: That one tells you that Cody Bellinger anticipated he was going to get a three, year deal, and those offers were not out there. All right, well, we're going to bet on ourselves for a season and see if we can get one of those long-term multi-year deals. I think that's what it says. And for the Cubs, we'll see. I mean, the window certainly is not open yet. They still have a lot of rebuilding to do in front of them, but that's just kind of one of those steps. And if it works out incredibly well this year, some of those young guys start to click. Say, Bellinger, you know what? How about an extension? Here's a couple more years tacked on to the end of it, and he can go that route. But we'll get, get into that, that.
2: Yeah, get that wind blowing out at Wrigley Field enough, and he'll hit plenty of home runs to get that extension. Pretty good defender, even
1: uh, as he advances in his career. A uh, good guy out in the outfield to have. So, a lot going on with Cappy. We'll talk about the baseball winter meetings. We'll get into the Bears taking another loss, but... Helping the draft position, we see Justin Fields return last week, and uh, we'll get into that. Also, a little Bulls talk with him coming up at twelve oh five, and then it's just wide open until we get to the end of the show. And my picks of the day presented by Circus Sports and handed out more winners again yesterday. Sipker, as long as people don't listen to me on Friday because my football picks on Fridays have been terrible during the week, I have been absolutely. You're on making fire.
2: people money. That, that's what it's about. Do you tell? Do you tell people they should bet their house?
1: No, 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 no. no? no that, that's all you.
2: Okay. I and think you, you have should lost try it. a lot of people's houses. <laughs> I mean, I've been good for the real estate market. Oh, here,
1: absolutely. Though. Now, Ross Peterson, he's got to love you, right? Oh, yes. At the side, everybody smiling ear to ear because Tim people... Scheib loves me. Yes. I mean, it just
2: works out. They all love me.
1: Uh, bet your house. No, we do not. We you do need not a disclaimer.
2: Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, sure. Do you? How often? Um, I listen to the Tony Kornheiser show, and mm-hmm. he has. Uh, uh, Carville come on and yes. every year he gives like a his one five bet a year five times play mm-hmm. and uh do, do you ever uh, are you so sure do you ever say you know the, bet this one five units the 10 units here you ever feel that good about it it's a rarity I had one earlier this season it was one of the
1: Iowa games it was an under that I just absolutely loved. now I loved it pretty much every single week that just continued betting the unders on Iowa games I know there was one though that I was I don't know if it was a Minnesota game. I can't remember which one, but there was one like that. But for the most part, I'm a pretty strict unit better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where now for me, I'm not betting thousands of dollars. People have this tens idea of thousands, of me. though. <laughs> People have this idea of me because I bet every single day. That I'm this degenerate that is putting hundreds, thousands of dollars out there, and that my unit, I, I'm fine saying it. It's eleven bucks. That's one unit for me. Okay, so a ten dollar wager, but put eleven to win ten. That's how you do it. And it's
2: unclassy to ask somebody what their unit size is, correct?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's...
2: Distasteful.
1: Distasteful. If they're willing to tell you... Like you just did. Right. I'm willing to talk about my unit. But other people might not be willing to exactly... Everyone loves it when you talk
2: about your unit, my friend. It's a small unit.
1: It's only 11 bucks. (laughs) That's all it is. But...
2: (laughs) I'm just waiting for Friday now. During yep, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. We're,
1: we're set up for that one. But uh, we'll make our picks. We got a lot of college basketball tonight, including, of course, the Iowa-Iowa State women's game. And Circa uh, did say that they will have a point spread out for that. I looked on the app earlier this morning, uh, probably about 8 a.m., didn't see anything at that point. But we'll check here during the show. They said they hope to have it up sometime this afternoon. Also, the Iowa-Iowa State men's game, they hope to get that line out a little bit earlier than normal, and maybe that'll be up uh, by this afternoon. So we'll talk about that, make our picks here before we get out of here at one before Murph and Andy. So, Mr. Sipker, we watched last night. I would do. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a couple of unit plays, that was one that just didn't make sense. And the people that I follow, the professional, if you will, gamblers, this was a pros versus Joes betting line. Everybody in the public was laying the points with the Duke, myself included. And all the sharps out there, if you will. They loved Iowa. They thought there was a lot of value in this one. Ken Palm had it a one-point game. You're getting two and a half, three points if you're taking Iowa. And from the jump, Iowa didn't play well. Nope. But Duke's just better. And this is not, right now, a great Duke team. This is not a team that you look at and say, at this point in time, they're a national championship contender. They're good. They're Duke. They got a lot of talent. But they're still not there. And they're still, of course, going through the coaching change with Kay retiring. There's a lot going on with that program. But I just walked away after the game, rewatching it last night after I got home and saying it's it's difficult to get overly frustrated with Iowa coming off that loss because Dukes just frankly better and there's not a whole lot that you can do about that.
2: I think that's the right takeaway. I you know, I watching the game it just never really felt like Iowa was threatening to win. Uh, you know, there's a couple nice moments in the three-point plays and things, but yeah, Iowa certainly shot terribly from three-point range. Yeah. Where they have, I don't know, three or four, uh, maybe five? Three threes. three threes. That's just not going to get it done in modern basketball. Uh, that's a terrible percentage. And the best player on the floor last night was playing for Duke, and he showed he's the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. And Roach, was just, they just didn't have an answer for him. And that's okay. The thing about college uh, college basketball is that All you really need to do, just make the tournament. Mm -hmm. Just make the tournament, and then crazy stuff happens. Iowa, it's not impossible for Iowa in one game to beat Duke. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. Uh, And we see it with Iowa. I mean, they lost to Richmond. You know, we've seen it plenty of times. Yes. What you want from these matchups, especially with teams that are better than you, you know, it's a lot of self-scouting. It's a lot about learning how to get better. Um, and so this loss, I don't think from the Hawkeye fans in my life, it doesn't really hurt. Um, it seems okay. It seems like I was in a in a in a good spot with this program right now. And this double digit loss to Duke is uh, it, you can swallow this one and just say, hey, we got be by a better team. Now let's move on to our in state rival.
1: You know, it was a game two that was put in there. This is not the perfect timing for it frame McCaffrey, though, he talked about it in the press conference before the game. They just couldn't say no. An opportunity to play in the JBV Classic, play against Duke. Look, if you're taking on even a good program, you're taking on Tennessee, or say it was Texas who played in Game 1 against Illinois. Because of what they still have coming up this week, of course, tomorrow against Iowa State, then Sunday, the first conference game against Wisconsin, that might have been one where he say, you know what? Get, we would love the invitation. Can we do it next year? You know, something like that. But because it's Duke, because it's MSG, all these things together, yeah, it doesn't work in the schedule. You would love to have it any other place in the schedule, but you had to say yes just because of all those parameters that went into it. That makes it difficult. I mean, what time did they get back? You, you know flight patterns well. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, game got over at after midnight, Eastern time. At minimum, you got press conference after the game. You have shower, get changed, get ready, get to the bus, get to the airport. I mean, best case scenario, two.
2: Yeah, probably. And then uh, flying back. I, did they fly right back? I would have just said, let's just, we're staying in the hotel. We're going to get out tomorrow morning. Well, I
1: think they flew back, and okay. guys do have class. Yes. Oh, right. I forgot I about we, that. You do forget about that. They are still student athletes. <laughs> and they they probably, I'm sure there's a couple guys that had some, even if they didn't have some morning classes, they had something going on. So got to get back for that. I mean, you're talking about getting back at 4 o'clock Central Time, 5, 5 a.m. East Coast Time. Get a couple hours of sleep. You're up at it. You go through, walk through this afternoon, and then you got a game tomorrow night against Iowa State. It just scheduling wise, it didn't work out well. Notice. I think
2: though, it works well for preparing this team to actually make the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. I, I know they might lose these games, but what do you have to do in the tournament? You're going to have to play two to three hard games in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're getting a little bit of callus built up. They're it, it's that thing that Gonzaga doesn't really get throughout their conference season, mm-hmm. right? And you see, I think that's probably why they start to falter a little bit when it comes to the, to the tournament time. I love seeing this. I know it necessarily from a wins perspective this can be tough, but I don't I don't see this Iowa team as a team that's going to miss the tournament. I think that they're if they just play up to their average their tournament team and so let's get the experience now to better prepare ourselves for what will hopefully be fran mccaffrey's first sweet 16 team ever
1: and that's what they need and brackets can open up you know the year that they played for the first time they got to the tournament with fran they played in the play-in not a play-in according to fran but um, playing and and the people that say that and talk about oh you're just in the play-in game hey for me that watched every single one of those godforsaken Todd Licklider teams and every single one of those games and watched a time in a timeout. when I saw Iowa come onto the floor as a Hawkeye fan and saw the NCAA logo at midcourt, that was an NCAA tournament game mm-hmm. for me. And uh, that's just the back and forth that happens, you know, with CyHawk, Twitter, and the like. But that season, there was a run that happened. And, and Iowa didn't get into the main bracket, but Tennessee, the bracket opened up. Duke, in fact, that year was who they would have played in the round of 32. Duke got upset by Mercer. And that's who Tennessee ultimately played. And they went to the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. Those kind of things can happen. Last year, the bracket was made perfectly for them to make that run. But as you said, anything can happen. Iowa State last year, two great matchups for them to get to the Sweet 16. Matchups matter. Those kind of things happen. Just get in. Get in. Give yourself a chance. And I think I was going to be there. I'm with you. Got to get the shooting going, though. Peyton Sanford, something's off there. And a guy that has been as good of a shooter as he has going back to his high school career and, of course, last year during his freshman campaign, another 0 performance from him. He's 0-4. And I was talking to my text group and my buddies, and they said, you know, a couple of those look pretty cl-. That's where we are right now with Peyton Sanford. They look pretty good coming out of his hand. That's a problem. You need Peyton Sanford because this is not a team built like some of the past teams. There's no Jordan Bohannon. There's no sharp shooter out there. They need Sanford to be because of Connor McCaffrey, who's shooting the ball well, but if he is your designated rifleman, you're going to be in some trouble. That's going to be a struggle. As you said, this is a different environment of basketball, and you have to be able to shoot the ball to play at a high level. So Sanford, he's got to get going. Saw some good things out of DeSante Bowen. Most of those points came late in the game when uh, Duke, I think, extended up at one point, up to 19 points. There were some cheapies there at the end, but he's fun. Future looks really bright for him at the point guard position. Got to get Tony Perkins right. He doesn't look healthy. You wonder if that's going to be something that's just debilitating all season long. You don't want to throw everything out. And Chris Murray. For the second time in a row against a good opponent. Against TCU, he struggled. Here against Duke, he struggled. Obviously, as Iowa goes, Chris Murray goes. If he is not playing well, it's going to be difficult for Iowa even to be, you know, say an 11-9, and 12-8 type team in the Big Ten if Chris Murray isn't consistently night in and night out their best player. That
2: has, from my amateur eyes, has been the problem with Fran's teams is is that the alpha dog on the team disappears maybe sometimes for an entire game in a big moment or just for a second half or those last couple minutes. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I think of Devin Marble, mm-hmm. Aaron White. Um, uh, last year, Murray uh, against Richmond. He, the, all you needed to do, again, what do I really know? But it seems like give him the ball and just say, you're by far the best player on the court. Show it. Just get a, bo- just get a basket. Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yes. I feel like this Utah, uh, all of these guys—they—they are—they're they're the best player on the team. But in the big moment, they don't just have that black mamba in them, right? You're that right. Kobe where is like, no, you're not stopping me from scoring. I'm taking the ball, even if Coach tells me I need to pass it right now. I'm—I'm I'm gonna get a bucket. And at the beginning of the year, I saw Chris Murray. I, I was like, wow. I think he, maybe he's the first guy who's just going to say, I'm taking over this game. But now we see this two times in a row. Maybe he's just not that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think that's how Fran gets his team to the next level is by having that one alpha on the court who just says, this is non-negotiable. And I am was getting a guy. bucket. Luca was that guy. Luka, he, but being down low, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard in college basketball specifically if you're not a guard or even a, a wing is, can still do it. But him playing that position, he was that guy, right? But just he, he can't be bringing the ball up the court. right? Yeah, he's not going to be breaking people down off the dribble
1: and, and getting to the rim when he need to be. That just wasn't his game. Yeah. So Chris Murray needs to bounce back. This Iowa team needs to bounce back. And you mentioned the quick turnaround. you coming back, getting into it. Could you see this maybe as a positive, though? Hey, we're going to flush the Duke game. We didn't play well. We didn't shoot it well. We're back home. Not overthink it. Let's go out there against Iowa State. Or do you look at it as, this is not the most physical Iowa team. They're guys that, again, when pressure's out there, like TCU and Duke brought, they have struggled. And now you got T.J. Otzelberger bringing this group together that is going to be there, and they're going to be clutching, and they're going to be grabbing, and they're going to be in your face, and they're going to defend you. And now suddenly, after a short turnaround, you got to be ready for that kind of matchup. I know you can kind of play both sides mm-hmm. here. and What's more
2: important, which way would you tilt? I, I, I would think if I'm Iowa, I feel like this is a moment where, if it's a baseball analogy, I'm on deck, and I just was swinging the bat with the weights on it. Mm-hmm. And now I get to take the weights off. And it's going to be there. There is a talent gap between. I know Iowa State just beat UNC, but there's a talent gap between Iowa State and Duke too. Mm -hmm. And I think for Iowa, you're going to feel that when you get on the court. Now they play completely different styles. Yes. And I don't think it's a good matchup for Iowa. I don't think Iowa State is a good matchup for Mm -hmm. the reasons you just stated. Uh, But looking at it from a psychological perspective, it's going to be easier in the sense that. I would say it just isn't as good as Duke, right? Not as talented.
1: Well, and the way that Duke is, with you mentioned Roach, there's not a guy like Roach on Iowa nope. State, and coupled with the four big guys that Duke's throwing out there, now Ryan Young. I mean, that guy he wasn't as stiff at Northwestern. He Wasn't that good though? And now he's out there playing for Duke and coming off the bench and just looking like an absolute stud. You couple it with Philip Pekowski, who's really good, Lively, who's seven foot one. Uh, they bring in Whitehead. Who is as athletic as any guy you're gonna find in college basketball at six foot eight? Iowa State's got big guys, they got a physical nature, but it's not these kind of athletes that they just went up against. And I think that's a good way to look at it, a good analogy that you put forth there. It's a different kind of game. I hate to say this, and anybody that has heard me throughout the years, I hate, and especially in basketball, blaming officials. I, I think it is one of the more weak sauce things that fans do, is blaming officials in general. Basketball is the most difficult sport to officiate. If you want, you can call 60 fouls in a game. You can call 20. It comes down to the way, the style it is, and you have to adjust as a player, and that's what you have to do as a coach to make things right. But this game with Iowa Iowa State, the officials are going to dictate how this game goes. If it's called very tightly, and Iowa State's not allowed to play the physical style of defense, I think Iowa wins comfortably. If it goes the other way, and the way that we see an Iowa play against tough physical teams, Iowa State can win this game by double digits. I hate for this to be a huge component but unfortunately, I believe this is going to be a huge component. What the officiating crew is, what the three-man group is, and how they call this basketball game, I think is very much going to dictate how it goes.
2: Even if, though, they come out as officials, you see this a lot, and they're like, okay, we're not going to have a physical game. <laughs> teams like Iowa State, teams like Virginia, these defense-oriented teams, what do they do? They just keep doing it. Yes, and the They're not going to call it every they time. Can't. Yeah. They can't. You cannot. You just, they won't mm-hmm. do it. And so you just stick with it, and you you wear down the officials, and eventually that standard for what a foul is gets moved. And then that's where these defensive-oriented teams, these physical teams, can really start to woo you in to their style of game.
1: Ken Pomeroy. I love the analytic sites. Bart Torvik, Ken Pomeroy. There's a whole bunch of them out there in college basketball. The point spread that we'll see released will be very close to Ken Pomeroy's number. Take a stab here. You're not a degenerate like mm. I am, though you like to mm-hmm. dabble from time to time. Iowa, Iowa State. At Carver-Hawkeye Arena, what is the projected point spread for this one?
2: Carver doesn't, I don't think they usually give, they get many points for a home court advantage.
1: You'd be surprised. Yeah? Carver it is, is? It is a top 20 home court wow. advantage. okay. Yeah.
2: Eighteenth at Ken Pomeroy. Imagine what happens again. if they move the people closer to the court. Um yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, three and a half points. Three and a half. You would be
1: off six. Wow. I favored by six. Now in these rankings, Iowa State is still forty first in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, where I was twenty second. So that... We still have some of the numbers from the last couple of seasons still baked in. As the season progresses, those numbers start to dissipate, and it comes back to just this team. That's part of the formula that Cam Pomeroy uses. But last year's team, I think that's a part of it, too, that's still in there in some of those numbers. But we don't have a fully baked analytical system at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I was surprised by that. I think you'll see it a tick lower when it's released by Vegas. but. I would say probably four and a half is probably okay. a realistic number, probably what it's going to be, and I'm going to guess most people are going to say, "Oh, well, I'm going to grab Iowa State." Yeah, four and a half, absolutely. And I think I'm going to join those people when that number comes out today.
2: Just gr- yeah, just grind it, and whatever that the un- over under is, probably taking the under as well. Although they style dictates that, down. yeah. I wonder what that number will be.
1: One forty is what pomeroy has got it projected at.
2: One forty. One forty.
1: Seventy three sixty seven is his projected score.
2: Hmm. I feel like it's just a game that stays in the '60s, but yeah. we shall see. I mean, if Iowa shoots the way they did last night, it's definitely staying yeah. in the '60s. So um, it, it's going to be an interesting, fun. Um, oh no! Just breaking news oh, now. No. Just got. Oh no! Uh, you don't have a sounder for this. I, I don't have one pulled out. This no. is this is real bad for my team. Von Miller torn ACL. Ooh, that changes a lot on the AFC side of the bracket for who goes to the Super Bowl. He was the closer uh for for the Bills. And the depth that's that they have That's awful. Oh.
1: Lose Micah Hyde, now you're losing yes. Von Miller.
2: Trey White um is is still coming off of his ACL. Mm-hmm. He's only been out there a couple games. You know, last year we have Von Miller, we have Trey White. I think that the Bills beat the Chiefs. Uh, you can make that argument very that easily. That's 12 seconds, right? Yeah. Uh man, that's Sorry, just we re- cuz Or the, if you kick the ball High to the five-yard line. There's so many ways that you could get around it. But Vaughn Miller out with a torn ACL, that's bad because that leaks into next year Yeah, at this point. Well, as we're
1: seeing right now with Odell Beckham, right? Yes. Mid-January, the Cowboys doctors believe that he's not going to be back. Now, will another medical staff see something a little bit different? There's that potential, but that's impactful. Vaughn Miller,
2: even at this advanced part of his career, He's still. Look, he's a not going to play sixty snaps a game, and, and that's why he signed with the Bills. They weren't making mm-hmm. him. They weren't going to just a few times. Like when we play Kansas City, yeah. you're going to play a lot more. But and he's still so good. He's so smart, mm-hmm. and he's got great tactics. And I, I'm a little reeling right now because it had come out uh, what two weeks ago that it wasn't that significant. He was just going to be out a couple weeks mm-hmm. probably. So this is. This is uh, this is really bad for the Buffalo Bills. Um, very good for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, though. No,
1: no doubt about it. Well, speaking of those Kansas City Chiefs, we're going to talk about them next with the voice of Kansas City. He is Mitch Holtus. He joins us each and every Wednesday. That'll happen next. Scott Sipker hanging out with me here today as we take you up until 1. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Vision.com. 11.33, Miller and Condon continues, 106.3 KX O. Trey Condon, joined by Scott Sipker here today. He has devastated his Buffalo Bills with some bad news. Von Miller oh, torn ACL awful. out for the year. Well, I don't know if it'll put a smile on the face of Mitch Holtis, but definitely makes things a little bit easier for his Kansas City Chiefs as he joins us here on a Wednesday. As always, Mitch, appreciate your time. How are things down in KC?
0: Well, okay, and, and let's just make it clear, never, ever, ever in my 29 years of the NFL have I ever like relished an injury like that to an opponent or, obviously, to one of our players. It's something I never get used to. Senior nights, I could be doing Drake or Iowa, Iowa State or Northern Iowa, and if I'm doing a senior night, I'm like choking back tears and I don't even know these kids, right? right. The other one is injuries. Von Miller is, is a pillar uh, and a great representative for the National Football League. Uh, for him to win that Super Bowl last year with the Rams and to do so with the Broncos and now to be <laughs> such a high level player for the Bills, I don't relish the fact on that news. And I would tell Scott, and he knows this, <laughs> but that team has great depth. Uh, normally an injury to Von Miller would put, you know, take everything over the cliff, but they got Boogie Basham's a good player. Uh, former Iowa Hawkeye S is a good mm-hmm. player and really, really, really good. An emerging star is Greg Rousseau. So the Bills are going to be okay without Von Miller. I just feel badly for Von. What you've got to think about now for Von Miller is the age of where he's at now in his career and to come back from an ACL playing the position he plays if he won't think about retiring. Because it's a long road back. I mean, it's almost a year to come back and try to play. And what else can Von Miller do? but Win another world title for the Bills and have three world championships with three different teams. But that would take a full year and almost that much rehab. So it'll be interesting to see what Vaughn decides for the future.
2: 33 years old, and you wonder, yeah, at this point that's in his rough, career. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of money left just, on the table just by coming, trying to come back. Right. A lot of, lot of years left. And Mitch, you know, the bills clearly have been... got dis- a lot of money, Scott. He yeah, yeah money. that's true, it's that's matter true.
0: What, did I wanna, and he, you know he could be in a studio doing mm-hmm. NFL Oh yeah, he's so good. But, yeah, that's what he's going to look at. That's a long, old mountain to climb back when you're 33.
2: The Bills have clearly been designing their defense in a way to try and finally beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, this certainly hurts them. The Micah Hyde uh, injury also really hurts them. How do you see it from a Chiefs perspective? Are you guys do, are you looking forward at all to a possible matchup, a rematch, with the Bills? Scott,
0: okay. with all due respect, With all due respect, this team of the Chiefs has done a phenomenal job in a decade now of taking what's the task that's in front of them. You know, I got West Point friends. I've got a kid that's at West Point now. They get so much laid on their plate. They learn, though, what's right in front of you. And right in front of you is the Denver Broncos. A lot of people are asking that question about the Bengals with the Chiefs. And truthfully, The Chiefs have so much to get done. they got to get back to the one seed because it would be nice if that Bills rematch would be in Kansas City again, Mm. and I know you won it in Buffalo. But truthfully, it's the Broncos right now. And with all due respect to your question, um, I'm going to be like this team and focus on a division rival where the Chiefs could make history this week.
1: So bouncing back after the loss to Cincinnati and three consecutive losses to Cincy—that that's kind of its own head-scratcher. Their inability to get to the quarterback has been the surprising thing. This Bengals offensive line, not good last year, better this year, but still not at any kind of elite level. You talk about the way the games have gone, the Kelsey fumble, things like that, but there's just something about it. It's hard to kind of quantify exactly what it is, but it has that feeling right now. Cincinnati just finding a way against Kansas City, something that really nobody else can say right now.
0: Trent, you've seen this in other sports, but I think in in this instance – in going back and reviewing this video again, sometimes you can try too hard. Think about the Iowa Cub that's trying to get called back up. Think if it's Hap, mm-hmm. right, Ian Hap, Um when he was with an Iowa Cub and he can't get a home run, right? It's two weeks without a home run, and everybody's like, oh, man, what's wrong with it? Well, he's just trying to do everything. He's trying to do everything to hit a home run. The best way to get out of that slump is not think about hitting home runs. I think right now that defensive front for the Chiefs is so desperate to get to Joe Burrow that many times they would get out of their lane or try to make, I'm going to do this one thing right here, and I think I can get to him. Well, just stay within the scheme and the play call. Um, I just think, too, it's a little bit like the Bills. The Bengals get, like, super up to play the Chiefs, and so does Burrow. The ball's going to come out fast, um, and that's a talented Cincinnati team. But I also think, in the instance for the Chiefs, it's almost trying too hard. You've seen it in the Iowa-Iowa State rivalry, one way or the other. That one team is just so they just want to get it done, and but it's almost trying too hard. Just stay within your game and play the game.
1: It's Denver this week, a three and nine Broncos team. Ken, of course, had to duck you this week, had to go to Vegas (laughs) just because he didn't want to have to talk about his putrid team. But you know, this rivalry, you know, divisional games, it's going on the road. Anything can happen. Just go back to the end of the last regular season in Denver They had Kansas City on the ropes for a long time in that football game and they're doing it with the quarterback that nobody liked and Drew Locke and and weird things can happen. Is that what makes you the most concerned? Just divisional game, anything can happen, or is there more to this Denver team that concerns
0: you? There's more to it. Now let's take Scott here. Scott, it was about this time a year ago. You explained to me how you lost to Jacksonville nine to six.
2: <laughs> yeah, still <laughs> that doesn't was a make bad sense.
0: Jacksonville team that was that was it with an interim coach, and I mean that's not the Jacksonville team this year. Like, and and Trent, how do you explain that game? Because that yep. cost the Bills um, playing the Chiefs at home. Yep, in the thirteen second game last year. All right, here's what concerns me about Denver. Now, first of all, let's back up the truck a second. If the Chiefs win this game, it would be their 14th straight win over the Orange and Blue. And I'm going to make Scott uncomfortable here. Uh, the record, um, all-time record, is 20. And that is, uh, I want to get this right.
2: Oh, you don't have to. We can move on to the next subject. New New England, Miami, Miami. Yeah,
0: stop. It's Miami <laughs> over the Buffalo Bills oh. in the 70s. <laughs> wow. So what was Juice doing? Yeah, what was Juice doing? Like, go for 150 and win the game. Like So that's the all-time NFL record. Now, the Chiefs are climbing up there here. Uh, if they win this game, it'll be fourth all-time. But here's what concerns me about Denver. Where do the Chiefs get in trouble? The Chiefs are not 3-9 and nine because of their defense. I'm going to give you some stuff I've never seen in 29 years of the National Football League. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. The Broncos have lost six of their nine games, six of the nine, where the opponent has scored less than 20 points and won. <laughs> that, that does not translate in the National Football League. And maybe Van Meter can pull that off in high school football, but not in the NFL. And then you look at Denver's defense. Hang on. They're number one in the NFL in red zone defense. Number one. They force the most three and outs. They're second in scoring defense. They're third and third down defense. That does not equal a three and nine record. It's really a mysterious team.
1: I uh, think I saw the number. If the Broncos just scored 18 points a game. They be 10-2. and two. Not a real high mark anymore in the
2: NFL to score 18 points a game, yet oh, here we that's are. A half. Hey, guess what? That Russell Wilson extension doesn't kick in until after next season. Oh, my goodness. After next season? <laughs> I know you don't want Denver well. to be good, right? I mean, you're in
1: their division. You don't want to see them twice and have a good team over there, but... The future of that organization—how scary is it? Is it feels like? I mean, they're looking at a ten-year drought in front of them. Just how far behind the eight ball? That's incredible, Scott.
2: Well, yeah, and, there, Mitch. Maybe you know—is yeah. there—is there any rumor out there that Russell Wilson is actually injured and hiding an injury, and that's why he's playing so poorly? Oh, I don't
0: know. It's so crazy the stuff that's coming out of there. And now his Seattle teammates are coming out like, hey, he wasn't all that." It's—it's uh, it's kind of pile-on Russell Wilson time. And you wonder how much of that is truth and how much of... I I don't know, Scott, to answer the question. Mm. But what's crazy, and injuries have been a part of this. Let's be honest. If Ken was here, I would say, dude, you have lost three offensive linemen. They've lost 193 career offensive line starts that are on injured reserve. Okay, K.J. Hamler's down on IR with a hamstring wide receiver. They lost Patrick, Tim Patrick, arguably their best receiver in training camp with a torn ACL. They lost their running back, Javante Williams. That being said... The Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes, have had to overcome a lot of similar things. Russell Wilson is 29th in the NFL of the 33 qualified quarterbacks in quarterback rating. But three of the four below Wilson are no longer starters. And the two right behind Wilson are Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson. Hmm. I mean, it's just, it's brutal what they've, and offensively, and you saw like the clip, where uh, Mike Purcell went off on Wilson, because the defense... Here's 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 the biggest compliment, if Ken was on the show. This Denver defense has stayed a playoff-caliber defense Mm -hmm. when they've taken on nothing but water in the basement every day. They just keep pumping out the water and trying to give this team a chance. That is something you need to give kudos, but offensively, this Denver team, I have no idea where they're going. The one thing that they do have in this game that I think is Greg Dulcich. They're rookie tight end from UCLA. They're trying to make him Kelsey. They move him around. He'll be a split in. He'll be in the slot. They move him around and motion him. Dulcich gives them a chance to have some offensive consistency and maybe get some big plays, like he did against the Chargers when he had a 39 yard touchdown. Where's number 80? He's a rookie out of UCLA, UCLA, Greg Dulcich, for the Broncos.
1: That is Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Sunday, I'm going to set the stage for you, Mitch. Early games, ton of divisional games. You got the Lions favored, yes, against the Vikings. Crazy there. Ravens, Steelers, already always a hard hitting game. Eagles, Giants, that'll be fun. Scott's Bills against the Jets. And then we get to the late afternoon window. Of course, Broncos play a 305 against the Chiefs. You got Tampa, San Francisco. How about at halftime of those afternoon games? You're thinking about dinner. What about Papa John's?
0: You know, in the holidays, too. I'm going to let you think outside the box. Scott might want to do this. <laughs> Because we think holiday get-togethers, why not pizza? Mm -hmm. Why not Papa John's? Because the Donaldsons, and of course we talk about what they've done for uh, My Happy Place, and that was their November special. But truthfully, what a great way to have a holiday party, man, is just get the Papa John's rolling and and let it fly. But you're right. These these NFL weekends are are big uh, for the folks at Papa John's all throughout the state of Iowa and for sure in the Des Moines area. But yeah, this is a... This is a very entertaining week. The Chiefs could could wrap up their seventh consecutive division title in the AFC West. Wow! Chiefs have to win. Chargers have to lose. Uh, I think the Raiders would have to lose. That's Thursday night. But the Chiefs could land the plane Sunday night late with a division title, and that would be get ready for this—the second longest in NFL history of division dominance, only behind get ready, Scott. I know A Patriots.
2: I know two
0: thousand. <laughs> But you guys are drilling them now. so Oh, you know, that feels good
2: real player. good too, Mitch. It feels
0: real nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we don't mind it. I uh, just don't get enough to take our place, right? Yeah, well, so,
2: I look forward you know. to having this conversation with you over the next 10 years. It's just nice as a yeah. Bills fan to be relevant again.
0: Well, and you've got a, that's a heck of a team. Uh, they've done an excellent job of building depth. There's more there than just Josh Allen, who I like. Anybody that's a national FFA officer and a NFL quarterback is a good thing. Uh, but they've got great depth. On that team, on both sides, probably the deepest team in the league, and that's that's fine. Here we go. This is going to get fun here, Trent. Uh, from here till hey, February the twelfth.
1: We're looking forward to it. Appreciate your time as always, Mitch.
0: All right, guys, thank you.
1: Thanks, Mitch. Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City God, Chiefs. God, if I
2: had those pipes, I know. Gosh, just dulcet tones, and he's so smart. Mm-hmm. He's so he does uh, the work. He, yes, he does. Like he, I thought for sure when he was going to pull out the division. Uh, rivals the uh, most consecutive wins it was going to be patriots yeah, bills yeah. from the 2000s but then he goes all the way back to the 70s and I was wow okay well I'm I'm definitely not as smart as this man
1: so it's interesting your bills fandom because we're about the same age i think i got a year or two on you i'm 42 but there are a lot of people in our age range that are bills fans uh, one of my sister's best friends, her husband, a Bills fan, growing up, guy played high school sports with Jake Olsen, He was a Bills mm. fan because they were good. And yeah. when you're in that formative stage, that's what's gonna happen, right? You're going to
2: kinda cling to a team that's pretty good. And so that's on TV. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, they right, were a ton. And, and back then there's no red zone. No. There's no NFL ticket. Right. A Sunday ticket. Like it's you had channel eight, channel thirteen. Or red channel seventeen, I think back then. We moved to Fox, somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. But if it's not on I mean, and my dad was a Chiefs fan, so I'm definitely really? not going that way. Oh, you were no. one of those kids, huh? Yes. And so I picked the Bills, and then you know what my brother did? Picked the Dolphins. Wow. And then when Dan Marino went away, or, we'll started to stink, then he switched to the Cowboys, just <laughs> as they were beating the Bills twice. That's what you get from younger brothers right oh, there. Oh,
1: boy, that sounds like a problem right there.
2: We're going to come back. I'm going to make you a little
1: uncomfortable when we come back. Okay so you have your bits right your bits that you do during Murph and Andy Uh I want to see if you can come up with one of them on the fly oh whoa we're we're going to put Scott Sipker on the hot seat when we come back Miller and Condon 7-6 Trent Condon Scott Sipker back with you it's Miller and Condon taking you up until 1 on 106.3 KXNO so Mr. Sipker yes listen to your hits on Friday's Murph and Andy right. Some days I am left scratching my head, <laughs> but I enjoy it. Yeah, thanks. For the most part.
2: Uh I'll There's take it. other times. Oh, Scott. It's like, why has this guy been on the air for 10 years? But
1: one of my favorite bits, at times, not always, at times, is this. So I'm going to see how good you are on your feet, because I know you do prep. I've done Murph and Andy. I know the prep that they put into it. A little bit different. Their rundown and the rundown that I sent you today, just a little bit different, right?
2: Yes, that's uh, there's a there's a big void between the two.
1: Yes, a lot more structure in that show. This is more wide ranging, kind of loose. That's how we do things on the eleven to one slot. But I want to see how you work on the fly with this.
2: Scott School, oh, got Scott it. School, Scott School is cool. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Scott School, everybody. Some people are wondering why Richard has been shortened to Dick.
1: Doesn't I, really I make sense. That. Yeah, I have an Uncle Dick.
2: Well, it turns out that uh, back in the day, we weren't very creative with first names. So a lot of first names were repeated a lot. And one of them was Richard. Richard was all the time. And when before the printing press, you had to write everything out. So Richard became very hard to write. And it's just so longer. So you start to shorten that up mm-hmm. to Rich. But then there's so many different Riches, you need to you know sort of keep coming up with a modifier. So some Riches, then, if you think about how you write an H... You eventually come to Rick. You turn that H to a K, mm-hmm. but then you still have so many more Ricks that you need further delineation. And so then that R very easily you just drop that little leg on it, and it becomes a D. And there it becomes Dick. And that's how Richard became Dick. And that's Scott School, everybody. Scott School, Scott School, Scott School is cool. Yeah. How what? about that? Yeah. On the there, hey. And one of the interesting things is, is that Dick didn't actually become um, a synonym for the male procreative apparatus until the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And before that, the, and the reason that, that happened was because the expression every Tom, Dick, and Harry yes. was because there were so many Toms, Thomases out mm-hmm. there, so many Dicks or Richards, a lot of Harrys, Henrys, that sort of thing. And because there were so many men named Dick, then that became synonymous with the male procreative apparatus and so that's where that came from. Yeah if you go back to fifteen hundreds and you're like hey everybody, let's go look at that dick over there, they would really think you were talking about a guy named Dick. Richard. You Richard. Yeah Richard over there. That's right.
1: I I just I never know what you're gonna come up with and that was a good one. I had uh, well I have two uncles, two dicks. And one
2: It's never not funny.
1: It isn't. It isn't (laughs) and one is my uncle on my dad's side of the family? He was Dick Condon. You can imagine mm. the things that were thrown around yes. with those two connotations, but with those two names put together, there was a whole lot. What were your
2: grandparents thinking?
1: <laughs> I don't know if they were. I mean, it would have been what 1930s, something like that. It's a great uncle. Okay. So it's, it's back a ways and probably a little bit different time. We're coming up with that, but yeah, that one. Well, was 1930s out
2: too, because the the dick thing became synonymous around. I think it was World War One, so okay. 1930, not too far out. I mean, you're looking at just 10, 12 years, and you I, was it in the Midwest that your grandparents had yes. these kids? Yep. So you know, it takes things a little bit longer to travel here to the Midwest. uh So maybe that's what will let them off the hook. They didn't really know what was happening.
1: Great Grandpa Red and Great Grandma Bell, and yeah, they came up. And with- clearly,
2: your uh, grandparents didn't use. Condens. No, as you would say. Not
1: at all. You know, uh, I was the basketball boy for the high school basketball team when I was in like fourth grade. And they called me Trojan Boy.
2: Of course, I didn't know what that was. And you just say, hey, ladies, you call me Magnum. Trojan Boy.
1: Asked my mom about it. She was very blunt. My mom's a very blunt person. She explained exactly what it was and didn't make a whole lot of sense in my (laughs) nine year old mind. We got an hour down and boy, what an hour it was. Still one more to go. We kick it off. David Kaplan.
0: Joins us our number two right around the corner, Miller Condon on 106.3K.